Hey, everybody, it's your host, Felipe, and you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I am awesome. This time tomorrow, I will be getting ready to go to my first baseball game in like three years, two and a half years. So this nice. is super exciting. Yeah. Who are you going to go see again? We're, we're going up to Atlanta. We're going to see uh, the Mets and Braves for like the 20th time in my life, because that's the only time I really get to see the Mets is when they play Atlanta. And the one time most recently that I went to New York, who were they playing? The Braves. And I had just seen them a month prior in Atlanta playing. the. And I'm like, come on. Like, like, they couldn't have been playing like the Phillies or something like that would have been fun, a fun rivalry. <laughs> but no, it's Atlanta for like the 20th time. Hey, but uh, it's live baseball, and I'm thankful for it. I mean, we could get started talking about that. I mean, everybody asked for the unbound schedule so they could see more of their rivals all year long, and these are the results. Less variety, uh, and now fans are bitching that. Well, why are we seeing the same team like 20 times a year? Like, well, you guys asked for it. Uh, <laughs> no, because this happened years ago when, when there was this one pennant chase, right, uh, late in the season between the Yankees and the Red Sox, and – I think the Yankees and Red Sox games were done by like July or August and people were pissed off. Oh, why aren't we seeing any Yankees and Red Sox in the middle of a pennant? Like what, what is wrong with major league baseball? Like how come there's no Red Sox Yankee games in September? And, and they heard the complaints, even though the usual complaints are that there's too many Yankee Red Sox games on national television. But this year it's like, why aren't we seeing more Yankees Red Sox games? So like, okay, we'll give you what you guys want. We're going to give you 18, 20 games. So Yankees Red Sox. And now people are bitching that there's too many. Uh, well, the Mets the have already played the Phillies nine times. They've only played like 36 games. So a yeah. quarter of their schedule has been against the Phillies and they don't play each other again until if I am can read a schedule right, uh, the end of June. And then they don't see them until beginning of August. I mean, it's like they're finally about to play the Braves for the first time. The Mets haven't played the Braves yet. They've played Philly nine times, and I think they had the one series versus Washington, which the a first one that the beginning of the year got canceled because of COVID. But so it, it's just been such a weird start for them. So weird. Well, my point is, I mean, that's it's the unbalanced schedule. That's what it looks like. That's what they are. <laughs> you can't. It's like that's my thing. Is like you, you can't complain for something you guys want it, and now that you're wanting it, you, you now that we're, I'm hearing talks like maybe they should change the schedule around. And you know, my thing is like, you know, why do we need to see these guys play 18, 20 times? They should just do what they do in Europe. Have do a home and home series. You know, five games each, uh, and call it a day. Five games against every team a year. And then if you really want to make these games matter, meet in the playoffs. And that way there's no, oh, well, that guy plays in, well, that team plays in the, in the AL Central, so they have a soft schedule. Or they play in the ALE, so that's a tough schedule, so that's why they lost. No, no, you play everybody five games a year, and that's it. It's a uniform. Everybody, you know, knows what they're made out of. There's no question about, about strength of schedule or strength of division. And any everything gets, you know, everything gets, what do you call it, uh, the results are in the playoffs anyway. That's all that matters anyway, not these 18 games that they play. And everybody goes home happy, I yeah. think. But that's speaking, what I would do. Speaking of schedules, and we are looking at our updated you know, projections today. How, how are our projections doing so far for the standings? Did you see that ESPN's most recent deal with MLB for the playoff coverage and pl- coverage throughout the year, uh, hidden within it, was a tiny little nugget about the playoffs mm-hmm. that uh, they would broadcast 
basically all of the wild card games, which in the contract or whatever is set to be three games, maybe not this year because of the CBA, but it was something that they did last year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And that seems like something that the, owners and MLB are really going to push for at the bargaining table is to get rid of the do or die wild card, which I think is a win. I, I always hated that idea that you play 162 games and next thing you know, you have one game. And I, I thought that was dumb. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty ambivalent towards it. So, so what are they going to do? They're going to, are they going to add like another team to the playoffs so they can do away with that? They, do or die they or? will probably like, I, I think they'll add a team or two. I don't think it's going to be 16 teams make the playoffs like it was last year, but I do think that that initial three game series that they did last year, I think a lot of people like that. Yeah. And not only do you get, you know, not just one game, but you're t- talking about the top guys of each team's rotation. So you're getting like these grade A matchups as long as the teams orchestrated in such a way down the stretch, which mm-hmm. is never guaranteed. Nope. But it would be awesome to see guys, you know, like the Grom's matchup against Bauer, Cole matchup against Sale if he come, comes back healthy. Like, that's the best part about playoff baseball. And you would get it for three games or at least two. Well, I'm all for I mean, I'm all for anything that makes the game better, you know, makes for more exciting baseball. I mean, I, I thought last year was pretty dope uh, in terms of that three game series. What I didn't like was it, it had to be uh, done at, uh, you know, at, you know, three games at the higher seeds uh, home park ballpark, which I, I, to me, that's like huge disadvantage, but you know, I would, I would love to see those play in neutral sites, you know, regionally. Yeah. I know that's a lot to ask for, but because uh, if you can't have the back and forth, cause that's going to be the complaint was, well, you can't have the back and forth because that's a disadvantage to all the players and you need a, that just takes another extra day to travel yeah. travel and, 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 you know, and you're only going to travel for one game across the country. That's ridiculous. No. no. Uh, so I would like to see those in a neutral side. I, I thought there was talk that there, that that's what was going to happen because of COVID was going to, that that was going to be in a neutral site, but it's not going to happen. But aside from that, you are, I, I agree with you. I mean, who doesn't want to see those top, if it works out well, right. Uh, if anything, Sean, all we get to see is more Liam Hendricks throw three innings and, saving the A's season. Uh, maybe we'll see Jake Diekman throw three innings and shut down the White Sox like he did last year. Like hey, he just, he, I think he just had a blown save. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, last night. You know what? Get those out of the way now because come playoff time, he's going to throw those three innings and he's going <laughs> to... <laughs> no, he's not going to do anything. But yeah, I, I'm just kind of... Uh, I'm, I'm off screen here, kind of uh, finishing up the spreadsheet, you know, kind of buying some time. Oh, uh, okay. Of course. that That's but, always good. But, you know, we don't what we don't do here enough, Sean, is... What's going on in the uh, in the baseball life group? That is our baseball group. That is the group that we're live in every Sunday morning. We chime in, and I feel like we don't talk enough about this group, the best baseball group in all of Facebook. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of topics that were brought up in the last twenty four hours. Of course. Uh, okay. Well, our guy from Dong City, Vince, is asking. Remember, if you ever think you had too much depth in spring training? Well, today the Yankees outfield is Miguel Lamar, <coughs> Ryan Lamar, and Clint Frazier um yikes yeah it's not good i I thought what vince had to say on it was uh at least they have wandy i thought that was hilarious because of course they go and they trade talkman uh who wasn't really getting any playing time still had used his option this year so i mean i don't know it's not like they couldn't option him or anything like that so i think that's what you get when you trade a piece that 
I mean, Clint Frazier has been struggling. Uh, Stanton and Judge have both missed a little bit of time, both hitting well, but injury is always a concern. And you trade Talkman, and now you're forced <laughs> to bring up a 32-year-old Ryan Lamar who hasn't played in the majors in like two or three years. It just it felt like a very odd decision that is 100% backfiring now. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, I thought the trade was okay. I mean, but the Yankees usually have a lot of depth, but they just, they're like the Mets in terms of injuries. Like, I think you guys lose a lot of your, it seems like you guys lose a lot of your pitchers. Well, the uh, the Yankees lose a lot of their everyday players. It seems like at least that's the perception. Um, but no, I, if you're telling me that your season's going to depend on Mike Talkman, then your, your season's been was screwed to begin with. But I mean, there they in, are. in uh, what was his breakout year? Was it 2018? When oh, Talkman, when, yeah. when they lost everyone and he came out of nowhere and had like a 550 slugging, 800 yeah. plus OPS. I, I mean, that was it was him, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was 19. So it would have been him or Shella, all the guys that kind of saved the season due to all those injuries. Mm-hmm. And then you trade him for a relief pitcher that's middling at best. Yeah. I don't know. Seems like a, you can find relievers like Wendy Peralta on, on the waiver wire without making a trade. They're, they're getting released every other day. <laughs> you can pick somebody up. Uh, Talkman outfielders are a little bit harder to find in my opinion. I mean, what, what was the appeal to Wendy Peralta though? That I don't understand. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's, 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 you're, you're trading a, a decent fourth or fifth outfielder and you're getting a guy who I has not crossed my mind or ha- we haven't even talked about him on this show. And we talk about everybody on this show. Like, what was the appeal to Wandy Peralta? Can you, can you, uh, there must be something that they saw that they liked about Peralta. I would think it would have to do with, you know, being left-handed, but they already had two other lefties that have had success. I know Justin Wilson has struggled. He's missed a good amount of time, but he's back there in that bullpen. Of course, we're all just Chapman and they, you don't want to use him in a lefty on lefty matchup in like the seventh <laughs> inning. Cause his, his name's Chapman and he closes. Um, <laughs> and then like the really random guy that's come up for them this year, 34 year old Lucas Lutke, uh left-hander doesn't throw hard and he's done well. Um, so I don't know why they felt they needed Wendy Peralta and that Mike Talkman was the guy they had to give up to get it. I mean, because in their outfield, like in the minors, there's there's not much there. Uh, Florial just got promoted to triple A, but I think we know what he is. I think he's he he's Mike Talkman, (laughs) except he might be a worse defender, and the hit tools even shakier than Talkman's. So it's like uh what were you guys doing? <laughs> I know our guy, uh, James, who appeared with me on the basketball podcast uh, a week or two ago, and he's been pretty high on Florio, and he thinks that, I don't know, the way he's mentioned They've been it high on post, Florio for like seven years. <laughs> was he one of those high school kids? Uh, I, high inter, school? Inter, inter, uh, international, I believe. Oh, okay. oh, and okay. yeah, because he was in A ball or lower for five seasons. Okay. Until this year, and then he started off at double A, and they just bumped him up to triple A after he hit like four home runs in five games or something like that in double A. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna uh, panic about the Yankees because they're still in first place and they still have like the most. No, depth. I don't, are they? Is it a tie? They're, uh, they, they are, they're two games out from the Red Sox right now. 
in the American League East. They are two games out. Red Sox still have that lead. I am so sorry. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm always used to seeing the Yankees at the top. But, yeah, you're right. They're two games behind the Red That Sox. entire division's tough. I mean, the, the Mets have yeah. gotten their well, butts just, handed to them by the Rays back-to-back days. It. I just talked about it. Like, yeah, that if you do if you do the Felipe schedule, you don't have to worry about whose division is tougher than the other. No, everybody's playing five games a year. So, and, and you know what that is, Sean? You do five games a year times 29 teams. That's 145 games. And you know what? We appeal to the old people who want, who want things to be the same all the time. They used to play 145 games way back in 19 Dickety, whatever that year was. <laughs> this is it. 145 games. And then you you just – the playoffs are the only thing that, that matter to these people anyway. So you, you just – you lose – you lose what? Unless you're the games. Twins. And well, then all of their excitement twins. comes in the regular season. <laughs> well, not this year. But no, but, but yeah, you, you, you balance – Less games by putting by just pumping in more playoff games. That's what you want anyway, right? That's where all the big money is. That's where all the games that matter because none of the regular season don't matter for shit. It's except to you know line your pockets, you know. But uh, anyway, um, let's see here. We have another one for you. There was another interesting question that I had for you, Sean. Um, oh, by the way, I wanted to say, yeah, Vince uh, can can complain about the Yankees uh, outfield, but as a White Sox fan, I have to counter with. At least you don't have three slap happy hitters in the outfield. <laughs> it's working, but I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> you can have, uh, let's see, Lori Garcia, Billy Hamilton, Adam Eaton, Danny Mendick. Is that what you want? Oh, Danny Mendick. What you want? I don't want Danny Mendick anywhere near my team. <laughs> and and that's this and that's the uh, outfield configurations. If the if Jose Abreu misses any significant time with after he uh, ran into Hunter Dozier, which yeah, I, I saw that. That was that was brutal. I still don't understand how that happens. It's just a foul ball, man. Come on. Why are you running it out? Well, we, well, we try <laughs> hard here. He's got to hustle. You, you almost killed a guy. <laughs> well, congratulations. This you is, played yourself. This is Tony LaRusso's team we're talking about. If he doesn't <laughs> run hard to first, he's probably not going to play for two series. No, 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 no. Okay. So that was like your mean Mercedes arrived late. They said he, he, he missed like an early meeting or something like that. And he was in the lineup. LaRusso put him in the lineup, and then LaRusso kind of an hour or two before the game started, after he submitted the lineup, said, eh, he was late. I'm going to take him out of the starting lineup. He's your best hitter. Like, what? <laughs> it sounds like he must have forgotten. You know, I, I could have sworn there was a story about Tony LaRusso, like, having early onstage dementia. But, of course, I brought it up, and then all of a sudden, I couldn't I couldn't find it anymore. So, so now it just looks like I'm slandering the guy. But, no, I could have sworn that there was a story about him uh struggling with uh, his mind just going you know by the wayside you know because of age it's just a natural thing right um not, not i guess that may not have been dementia but like i said I, now i can't you know now that i was looking for it i can't find it and uh it would we'll, we'll just have to say that well tony is just like you know what what was it 10 15 years removed from the game and this is the results but no this is the play where hunter dozier uh pops up uh, a foul ball and for some ungodly reason, decides to run it out. Jose Abreu and whoever the catcher is, was it? Uh, what's, his, what's his face? Uh, oh, my God. Well, who's the catcher for the White Sox for my own team? I can't remember. Yasmani uh, Grandal, Zach Collins. Yasmani and... Grandal, probably. I think it was Grandal. And Grandal's looking for it in the sun. Jose Abreu's looking for it in the sun. And Hunter Dozier decides that he's just going to run it out and see what happens. And boom, runs right into Jose Abreu, who's looking up, trying to figure out where that ball is. And and uh, they both leave the game with uh, serious injuries. So, all right. So that's enough stalling. Wait, no, I, I have one more for you. Let's see. I wanted to ask you another question here in the Baseball Life Roulette. Um, 
uh forget it let's let's just get going all right so i'm gonna share my screen in a bit and we're gonna do our preview or not a preview yeah these are our predictions right well they're not really previewed because we've already shown them yeah you're right uh hold on there was something okay so here's what's gonna happen these are the the predictions we made back in march march uh 28th yeah i have the title as the march 28th 2021 prediction show this is how we had it right and uh, oh i deleted my name sorry about that so these are felipe's <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's whatever and you know it could be whoever no it could be the consensus right now but we, you know i had the yankees in first sean had the Rays in first and like you mentioned the red Sox are up on the yankees two games um we both had the Red Sox in fourth place. Although I remember talking about them saying, you know, their lineup's pretty good. It just, I wish they had a little, they had showed some signs of pitching and they'd be an interesting team if they did. And it turns out they did have the pitching. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the, the pitching has been solid. It's starting to come back to earth a little bit. And the offense has kind of hit a sputter, which I wouldn't even call it a sputter. I think it's just less than what it was doing at the beginning of the year, which was, I mean, the first four or five guys in that lineup were all batting over 300 and slugging like crazy. Um, I still worry about the entire depth of the lineup because there's some guys that just aren't hitting. Bobby Dahlbeck, not hitting. Michael, they, they brought up Michael Chavis. He's had a little bit of success. Um, Franchi Cordero, who I had very high hopes for this year, uh, not hitting. Uh, the outfield as a whole, aside from Alex Verdugo, left field and right field, Completely not figured out. First base, not figured out. Uh, second base, really not figured out. It's just shortstop, third base, center field, catcher, and DH are just on fire. Uh, I think they might get a shot in the arm here soon. Uh, top prospect, Jaron Duran. I know Melvin, who's with us in the comment section, uh, posted a video that he you know, was one of the best players in the Caribbean League this year. And he just hit his like fourth home run in the first 10 games in the minor leagues. Uh, so he's got legit 70 grade speed and he's starting to hit for more power, just like he did in the Caribbean's uh, winter league. So he's a guy already in AAA mashing and the Red Sox have two faulty outfielders that they need to replace. One of which I think they have in-house in Jaron Duran. Yeah. Uh, we talked about uh Jaron Duran uh, on the podcast about a week uh, last month, I believe, uh, talking about, oh, yeah, at the end of the month, right? Because we, the, I wanted to do the, at the end of the month, we should talk about prospects, and that's what we did. So we did that, and he his name did show up, uh, uh, a scrappy speed guy um, for the Red Sox. So we'll see. And But he, he's on the older side in terms of prospects, I believe, right? Was he like 25 years old or something? Yeah, I think he's a little younger than that. I'm not 100% sure. All right. Well, I'll look that up. But yeah, that, that's the standings right now. Uh, to our surprise, uh, uh, our Orioles are in dead last because they're the Orioles, as always. But they, we agree that they. Hey, at least hit. they threw a new uh, no hitter this year. They what? Uh, oh, they no threw a no hitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Means is turning out to be the starting pitcher everybody hoped he would be. But like you mentioned, it's a tough division. I mean, look at these teams. All of these teams are over 500. You with me? Or did I just lose you? Uh oh, sounds like we might have lost Felipe, guys. We will give it a second just to catch up. It looks like we lost Sean. No, oh no, I'm here. I'm here. I thought All I right. lost you. 
No, I, 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 yeah, usually it is me, but I, I saw myself. I'm still moving on the screen here. Okay, we are. I think we are good. good. It says right. my internet's kind of not good right now. I don't know why that is, but we're gonna power through. All right, we're gonna go through this. All right, we got we got too much stuff to show you. Um, wait, and you're still hosting. You're still recording. Yes, everything's right. still up. All right, yeah, that's happened before. Anyway, Jaron Durant's 24 years old, uh, which I don't know. In my world, that's a little bit too old uh, to be considered a prospect. Well, these guys did lose a year of development. I don't we're care. Gonna, we're going to have to remember that. Time is constant and never ends. It never stops. All right. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear excuses. You, you're, you're older. You should have been younger. Okay. <laughs> you should have been younger. You been, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, how are you feeling about the Yankees being your walk team? You still feel good about that? Yeah, I, I still think that there's, they simply have too much talent. Now, unless they just get destroyed by injuries even more than they kind of already have. Um, I just worry about the pitching down the stretch. That was my main concern with them going into the year, and that's why I didn't have them winning the division because I didn't think they had the pitching. Uh, and of course, they lead all of baseball and pitching war, mainly on the back of uh, Garrett Cole. But I, I'd like to see how they handle it down the stretch. Uh, they have faced, like in the month of April, uh, they faced a lot of, pretty poor offensive teams, Cleveland, Baltimore, two of the the bottom dregs in the league. I, I'd like to see once it gets to summer and the ball start carrying, and then you have guys like Kluber and Tyone are hitting that 80 innings pitched mark uh, to see how they react because they just haven't thrown that much in years. And if they lose either one of those guys, I, I worry about the depth. Of course, they might get Severino back soon, but it's it, it's a toss up. You don't know. Oh boy. Well, it, it shouldn't have been that way. For some reason, it is. Uh, it's it's still kind of weird to see. Uh, Blue Jays. I always felt like if they just have enough respectable pitching, just mid tier pitching, that they can get away with all types of stuff. And they are because their lineup's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, Vlad is having the year that we've always expected of him. Uh, yeah. OPS well over a thousand. Uh, he's lifting the ball much more consistently. Uh, they have gotten some slow starts from guys that we really liked last year, or at least I did. Um, Teoscar Hernandez, I knew was going to take a step back. He's starting the round to form. Uh, the one that's really disappointing to me is Gurriel Jr. and Rowdy Telez. Um, but you're like you said, it all comes down to their pitching. Uh, Robbie Ray has been great for them. Steven Matz has come back to earth. Uh, Anthony Case made a start for them yesterday against Philadelphia. That, that makes their rotation four lefties, and the lone righty is Ross Stripling, which I feel like is interesting to say the least. I think no other team has more lefties in their rotation, but. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the American League Central. Our, our guy, Matt Bushnell, is already uh, on with us um, on the air. And uh, I had the Twins in first. I just thought that. You know, once they got Nelson Cruz back, I thought, well, that's it for them. They're, they're set. They got, they're bringing everybody back from last year. Pitching seems to be strong. Um, and um, they have guys waiting uh, in the minors ready to help out at any point. And it looks like they're going to need a lot more help than just whatever they're, they're, they're getting in the minors. They're, they are in dead last, which I, I thought they would at least at worst be a third-place team. And I never would have thought I would see the Minnesota Twins in 2021 be in dead last. Um, were there any signs 
that we might have missed about the Twins? Because you have them as your second wild card over there. Did we miss anything about the Twins this offseason that would have predicted this uh, outcome so far? Not necessarily. I feel like this is kind of one of those Oakland A years where the uh, Oakland will do well for two or three years and then out of nowhere, returning most of the pers- the same personnel, they end up sucking and we'll see if they're like Oakland and they trade off some pieces because they have the pieces to do that. Um, but injuries, uh, Byron Buxton's been their best player. He goes down. Uh, they call up Alex Kirilov uh, to replace in the outfield. He goes down. I believe I just saw a third person who recently got hurt for them. I can't remember who it was. But, I mean, it, it's uh, like you said, outside of Kirilov and Larnick and um, – Another uh, Duran, another Duran, the starting pitcher. Uh, they don't have much coming up in the minors, and that depth is really just—it was the probably their biggest weakness, and that finds a way of happening to you. Yeah, because it looked like their starting pitching might have been good enough to get them by um, while they waited for Duran and the other kid too, the guy with the long name of uh, Volsevich or something like that. Oh, uh, Bel- uh, Bel- uh, Basil Lovich. <laughs> Jordan Belazovic, Belazovic, uh, yeah, okay. the number eighty-first uh, overall. The guy from the uh, Wolfenstein uh, video games. Oh God, Blaskowitz, right? <laughs> there's a there's a game I thought I would never hear ever again. Um, but yeah, those guys were going to come up. Not not saying that they're going to like save the Twins in their season, but they they would be bringing in more depth and 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 providing that backdrop. They still had Randy Dobnak as well, Lewis Thorpe, who did pitch. Uh, and they have major league experience as well. It kind of give way to the more veteran uh, pitchers that they have in their rotation, like Jay Happ and Matt Shoemaker. Uh, and Taylor Rogers has looked awful. Alex Colome looks like he's getting lit up. Hansel Rope. They have, there's a three-man uh, closer situation in the Minnesota. Yeah. And- Which is what we were worried about <laughs> from the beginning. They are dead last in pitcher war, according to fan graphs. Yeah. Dead and, and last. I, and uh, to put a fantasy spin on it, uh, Taylor Rogers is on my team and he's been, and he got off to a really good start. I even talked to Leon about how awesome he has been uh, compared to Drew Pomeranz. And it doesn't matter which left handed pitcher it is. If you're, if you're on my team, you're going to suck apparently because <laughs> it's been bad. And, and, and I drafted these guys pretty early. I, I can't get rid of them. I still have hope for Taylor Rogers. He's looked too damn good over the last couple of years to be this bad, but Boy, oh boy, is if you're a, and it's yeah. funny because he started getting these save opportunities, and that's when yeah. the struggles. I mean, because right now his ERA is still sitting at three two, which isn't terrible. He has a K per nine over twelve. That's a career high. His walks are actually a career low at one point two nine, lowest xFIP of his career, lowest uh, second lowest FIP of his career. So I don't think the issues are as grave as we make them sound for Taylor Rogers, but what is grave is the fact that he was given this opportunity to close games when they took Colome out of the role and he had hiccups. And that's why we saw Hansel Robles just get a save. Uh, we saw Alex Colome pitch in, I believe the ninth inning yesterday. Uh, I, did he blow the save and then get the win? It was one of those weird situations, oh, but it's, uh, yeah. it's an, an absolute cluster that nobody wants to mess with. All right. Well, then we want to the White Sox. You still believe in the White Sox. I was nice enough to put him on the, on the first wild card. I mean, if you look at this roster, it's like, how are they doing this? And it, I, I was telling, you know, uh, my buddy, Matt, uh, again, uh, he's the uh, host of the, he's a co-host over at the Football Life, the Audible, uh, Tuesday evenings. Uh, they just finished an episode where they talked about the NFL schedule. But I talked about it and said, maybe this was the plan all along. Maybe the reason that they didn't go out there and get the same amount of depth that I thought the Twins were getting 
was because Tony La Russa would prefer to have a scrappy lineup as opposed to Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert just hitting for power. Maybe this is part of the plan. This is a part of the plan that they're going to win with pitching and defense and speed. And they got Billy Hamilton stealing four or five bases already after he got called up. And and they got Danny Mendick and Loris Garcia. Maybe this is what Tony La Russa wanted all along. And this is the results. They're in first place right now. Yeah, they are surviving on <laughs> almost sheer grit of their pitching, yeah. which if we were to say that uh, before the season began, we're like, yes, they have Lucas Giolito. They trade for Lance Lynn. Uh, Dylan Cease, we're hoping, turns a corner. And then we look at who their best pitching performers really have been. Lance Lynn's been as advertised, but Carlos Rodon, Dylan Cease are guys that are taking major steps forward. And Lucas Giolito is just like stuck in neutral. Like he, yeah. he he can't get the right spot on the clutch to get it in gear. And it just seems like it's sputtering over and over again. But as you said, the, this, this lineup, yeah. Hey, I, I got to do something right. Uh, but the lineup is extremely worrisome because you have guys like Jake Lamb starting relatively consistently because he is the 30-year-old vet. We got to make sure he gets time at the DH because he's left-handed and he's a veteran. But <laughs> that that's just Tony LaRusso's logic, I'm assuming. Yeah. But they also seem like a prime team that will jump into the trade market early for help, especially in the outfield. Uh, guys like Mitch Haniger, I think, are going to be a huge trade target, especially for a team like the White Sox. I think they'd want somebody left-handed, but I think Haniger is probably going to be their best bet. I mean, that'd be a, an improvement over guys like Adam Engel, who's, uh, at last I checked, he was expected to come back soon from a hamstring injury. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very scrap. I mean, it's bad enough you have Nick Magical just slapping the ball everywhere to second and short stuff, but then you got the scrappy outfield as well. Now, thankfully, it looks like Jose Abreu is not going to miss any time. Remember, we talked about that. Um, him slamming into Hunter Dozier or Hunter Dozier slamming into him. And it looks like he's not going to miss any time. He's still in the lineup. But yeah, you take him out of the lineup. You got to move Andrew Vaughn to first base. I know there was talk about what, among White Sox fans this past week that, hey, you know, with Abreu gone, maybe we'll see Albert Pujols. Like, no, you don't want to see Albert Pujols here. <laughs> like, this lineup's already like so rigid with, their, with, the, with the way their position players are stacked. You don't want a guy who's at DH. We tried that last year with Ed, Edwin Encarnacion. Is that what you want? Because that's what you're going to get when you get Albert Pujols. Thankfully, the Dodgers uh, chime then maybe maybe they see that they'll maybe the Dodgers will leave the Albert Pujols will play third base for them like he did at the beginning of the Cardinals uh his Cardinals tenure but yeah it goes that, around comes around right that's <laughs> he begins it at third base he's gonna end at third base uh, Albert Pujols is the alpha and the omega of baseball uh, but no uh but no like I said you Adam Eaton in right field you got uh Billy Hamilton and Danny Mendick and Louie Garcia and Adam Engel and suddenly this lineup doesn't look as strong as it did at the beginning of the year but they're managing Actually, Larusa's managing. And- you you know, I'm, I'm I was trying to think of other players that will be on the trade market that are specifically outfielders for Chicago, mm. and we just glossed over the Tigers being bad because that's Robbie what we all expected. Robbie Grossman does he not seem like the perfect Tony Larusa player? Yep, and maybe yeah, he he, he walks. Be. He probably walks a little bit too much. He probably likes his OBP more than Tony Larusa would, but he's a good base runner. He steals bases. He's a solid defender. 
scrappy that guy. Would, that would be a great left fielder for you guys. Listen, man, anything's an improvement to what the, this team has right now. But like I said, they just keep winning because it's. I think they're just the pitching and defense. Yeah. Uh, and the been bullpen's like been solid. Michael Kopech, you know, whether oh, yeah, it's we, uh, starting the game or Garrett Crochet's had a hell of a year so far. I have a lot of people. I feel like he was so hyped last year and we haven't talked about him this year. But yeah, he's still throwing gas from the left-hand side with an absolute killer slider. Uh, yeah, it's a great bullpen. It's a great rotation. I believe it's only going to get better because we haven't seen the best Lance Lynn. We haven't seen the best Lucas Giolito. If yeah. we see them this year, uh, that division's a wrap. Yeah, well, not at the end, not if Cleveland has anything to say about it. Cleveland, once again, I mean, that's another team. I mean, maybe that's the, that's the secret to this division It's just do away with the superstar players and just make baseball 1945 again. I mean, this, <laughs> they, they lose all their superstar players and and – and they just be, they keep churning out these no-name pitchers and turning them into something. Uh, Sam Hentges is now the new one here. No, I'm not saying he's anything good H- or anything. Hentges, yeah, he's been in the, the bullpen, I believe. Yes, he has uh. been. But he's been, like, uh, summoned from the bullpen to start more games. He, oh, okay, so he's only done one. I thought I saw his name pop up numerous times. But he's, in, he's listed on the rotation, according to roster resource right now, as a number two pitcher for them at the moment. So you'll get a look at him on Monday uh, if, if the schedule over here isn't lying to me. But you still got Zach Plesak. You still got Aaron Savali. And you're still trying to figure out what Tristan McKenzie is. And on top of that, the bullpen is just killer. Like, what other bullpen would have James we knew, we knew this bullpen was going to be good, though. Even yeah, if we thought Karen Shack was closing, which he has picked up a couple of saves. I believe he has three or four. But Klasse has been their go-to ninth-inning guy. Karen Shack has been their high leverage, using him in the seventh or eighth. And then Brian Shaw, of course, he leaves Cleveland. A good relief pitcher goes to like Colorado or Seattle <laughs> and is like c- completely terrible, gets bombed, and then he comes back to, to, to Cleveland and they sprinkle that little dust on him again, and he's fantastic. Uh, the issue I have with them, that lineup is just horrendous so far. They're they're batting 208 as a team, like a 280 on base. It Outside of Jose Ramirez – I and maybe Franmil Reyes, those are the only two threats in the lineup. Uh, I mean, Andres Jimenez was supposed to be their starting shortstop, so Ahmed Rosario could be the starting center fielder. Jimenez has struggled immensely, so they put Ro- or Rosario back to shortstop, and Harold Ramirez and Jordan Luplo are sharing center field, right field. Like it's oh, it's it's an ugly lineup. It really is. Yeah, and that's kind of like what the White Sox have in their lineup as well. And it's the same thing, pitching and defense, right? So it, it really will come down to Terry Francona versus Tony LaRusso. Who do you take in that matchup? Uh, I'm going with Tito. Yeah, it's dead over here. Like, like, but, like yeah. Tito used to be the the old guy of Major League managers, and then Tony LaRusso gets hired and comes in and makes him look like Billy Bean in the dugout. I mean, he's younger. <laughs> he's getting ejected out of games. He's talking shit to angel hernandez which was really fun did you see that last week uh kill my memory here he, he had uh, blown a couple of calls in the game uh one by calling an out on a ball the out that dropped in the outfield they end up tagging out the runner who was heading back because angel hernandez has his arm up for out uh they go back they review it they place the runner on third Terry Francona comes out and says, like, what the hell? We tagged him out. And he said, well, he was only going back because I said that the ball had been caught and it hadn't. Then he blew a call at first. And Francona went up to him and said, Angel, why is this oh. always happening when you're here? 
the most uh, passive aggressive thing ever and i loved it yeah and conversely there was an umpire who almost had a perfect game behind the plate i forgot his name but he's only been uh, umpiring oh, since yeah. 2018. Oh. Uh, so that's the opposite of Angel Hernandez. So yes. uh, you, you, uh, so the Royals were at first place at one point. Let's just quickly talk about these teams and move on to the AL West. Royals were in first place at one point, and now they got mired into an 11-game losing streak is what I heard. <sighs> Something or, like that. Some craziness like that. And now they're <laughs> they're dropping in the standings like they should be because they didn't even try to do anything this offseason. I mean, they tried, I, but not. I also say they, they probably did more than most of the other teams in baseball. I mean, they tried, but it wasn't enough. I mean, they had, they, uh, Mike Miner had a finally had a good start. Carlos Santana finally, is. Finally. Yeah, he's he's Mike Miner. I think he's going to be good for them, especially uh, in that ballpark. Andrew now, Benintendi has also uh, come on strong the last uh, week or so. I mean, yeah, he's, he's showing a little, some signs of life. Enough um, where I had to pick them up on my fantasy team and try to save my fantasy team from total destruction here. The uh, issue with them, I feel like, is the pitching. They have yeah. pieces, and I don't think they exactly know where those pieces go. Uh, we've seen, I think, well. <laughs> Singer, singers come out of the bullpen. Or in, it was either Singer or Bubich. They, they took as and out of the rotation and Junas, and they have them as relievers, and it, it makes no sense what they're doing. Like, honestly. So, so last week we talked about Jacob Junis and like, why are you bringing him up? He's a reliever now. He's a no-name reliever at this point. If he, his value was a starter and he it was a fringe of value at that point. Well, that was last week. This week, Jacob Junis and Brady Singer are back on the rotation according to roster resource. So, uh, yeah, like you said, they, it's, a, it's a revolving door over there. The Tigers, Tigers are going to Tiger. Like you mentioned, they have some pieces uh, like Robbie Grossman, who they might try to trade at the trade deadline along with uh, maybe, I don't know, Nomar Mazzara. If he does anything, I don't know. Uh, maybe Jose Urania gets traded. Maybe Spencer Turner. I, th- I think Urania is the most optimal choice for them. Matthew Boyd. Boyd, too. Boyd as well. Uh, the oh. thing that I think is most important for the Tigers this year is we are starting to see some growth from Casey Mize, which is huge because both of his cups of coffee, he really struggled. Um, he's throwing harder this year. He's still. Had a few rough starts, but I believe he's had three consecutive quality starts so far. Yeah. Uh, the splitter, which was, you know, his supposed to be his greatest pitch ever. He's not really throwing it because it wasn't working, uh, but he's throwing the fastball harder, getting a curveball over for strikes. Growth from him is more important than any win-loss record they have this year. Granted, they right. would like to have the, the least win so they can get that number one pick again, yeah. but – that's that's the key to the Tigers' year is growth from the young guys like Mize and when Manning and all of them come up. All right, let's move on to the American League West here. We got the Houston Astros. Uh, we both had the Astros winning this division. And, of course, we made fun of the A's, and sure enough, the A's are now in first place because that's what the A's do. And uh, the Astros have been hurt. A lot of their key players have been hurt, but their lack of depth is, is really showing. That's a, a very top-heavy team, it looks like, in Houston. And it looks like they're paying for it while the A's uh, were able to uh, overcome a, a really awful start to the season. Um, it, yeah, remember we, we, we saw the schedule to begin the season. They had the Astros and Dodgers like on back-to-back series, and they, and, and they suffered because of it. And now they're you know on a hot streak, it looks like. And the Astros and Dodgers are kind of falling on the standings just a little bit. So um, I don't know. Did you want to talk about the Astros in depth here? I, I think the main worry with the Astros so far has been the struggles of uh, Matt Chapman, who is supposed to be, you know, the other big thumper in that lineup, him and Olsen. Uh, 
Jed Lowry after his hot start, he's cooled down a little bit. Ramon Laureano still kind of iffy. Yeah, uh, he had all those stolen bases to start the year. Mark Canna is once again doing Mark Canna things. Uh, he's awesome. I love him. Matt Olson is batting 260, which is interesting, and has cut his strikeout rate down to 20. percent That's less than Laureano. That's almost on par with Canna. It's far less than Matt Chapman. So if he can cut down on these strikes, he already has nine home runs, uh, 147 WRC plus. That This is a great year for Matt Olson. I just hopefully don't hope for that he gets traded because that would just be yeah. a backbreaker to Oakland. But it would be an opportunity for them to sell high. And if he gets out of Oakland into a hitter-friendly park, like, say, um, Cincinnati, that would be <laughs> awesome. That would be awesome. I don't know who Cincinnati would trade, but that would be freaking awesome. Joey, Joey Votto. Uh, <laughs> the A's, we make fun of their pitching rotation all the time. Like Chris Bassett's your race. You're going to win this division? Apparently, yes, they're going to win. The- and Sean Manea is a rebounding uh, candidate. Uh, he look, He's never looked better than this. Uh, Frankie Montes is uh, still a solid number three. Cole Irvin is surviving. Uh, there was talks that he was going to get called down or sent back down, and it looks like he's – because of necessity, he's still cemented in that rotation. But look at these injuries. They lost Mike Fires so far, Jesus Lozardo, and AJ Pook, and Trevor Rosenthal. Jesus Lozardo and- got two men at MLB The Show and broke his hand. <laughs> he, he bumped it, but like it was his pinky on his pitching hand, on his primary hand, and he hit it. That, well, that's he the need- only way you break your pinky, is boom, on a desk. He needs to, he needs that pinky for his changeup, right? Does he anger, have, I don't anger, even, I don't, anger management? I don't even know if he has a changeup. Yes, he does. Okay, uh, JV Wendell can also. Lo- so th- yeah, they that's a team that just keeps, you know, one guy goes down, next man up. They don't have a real closer right now, but they're going by committee. Jake Diekman, Luke Trevino, uh, the Houston Astros really quick. Uh, they've also suffered a massive amount of injuries. Jacob Dodorizzi, Franvero Valdez is out. Justin Verlander, we already knew about him, and then on the bullpen, Pedro Baez, Josh James, Austin Pruitt, <laughs> like Taylor, who we talked, and Noli Paredes. These are all guys we talked about on this show all out and now they have to you know count on a guy like Luis Garcia who by the way if you if you ever do fan grabs you got to specify which Luis Garcia you're talking about because there's like three of them uh <laughs> there, there's the shortstop for yeah. Phillies the Reds the Reds okay and then I thought there was one in Washington as well yeah they're so both Luis Garcia's I think and they're both middle of- infielders and then we have the pitcher Luis Garcia <laughs> Uh, let's move on to the uh, Angels. We thought, okay, that's a solid choice at third place. Maybe they can steal the division. They're in dead last. I mean, I'm pretty surprised about this. I, I thought they had enough pieces to at least contend and not be in dead last. I thought the Rangers, I mean, we both thought the Rangers were going to be so awful that they were the consensus last place team. And it's the opposite. The Angels are in last. Rangers are hanging on in fourth place. Uh, where do you want to start with the Angels or the Rangers really quick? Uh Angels, they don't have enough pitching. Any inroads, I mean, that's been their story for four years now. Uh, Any inroads they made with... But Sean, they they have a six-man rotation. What do you mean they don't have any pitching? (laughs) They don't have enough good pitching. Dylan Bundy's back to being Dylan Bundy. Uh, He he got away. He started throwing the fastball less, and he had success doing that. So now he throws the fastball more, and he ditches that curveball that was getting him ahead of counts. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. The Rangers are what they are. Yeah. There's nothing like Isaiah Kiner Falefa, if he's catcher eligible in your leagues and cheat code, Joey Gallo's being Joey Gallo. Uh, I think the most important thing from him, and we talked about him extensively last week, 
is Willie Calhoun. Uh, he's doing the Willie Calhoun things we expected him to just about three years later than we ex- expected. <laughs> uh, but the Astros, we moved a little fast them. Uh, they're the best lineup in baseball right now. Uh, 120 WRC plus. Uh, their slash line actually looks somewhat attractive at 266, 333, 435. Jordan Alvarez is the beast we expected him to be. Carlos Correa is starting to kind of get back into it. He had a home run yesterday. Um, yeah, that's the best lineup in baseball. And I can't wait for people to make excuses saying, oh, they're cheating again. No, they're just good. They're good hitters. They, I mean, they have been. I just heard, I, I didn't get a chance to look at this too in depth, but I, I was watching MLB tonight and they talked about how the, once again, the Astros are leading the league in strikeout percentage uh, on offense, meaning they have the least amount. They have the less, the least. the 18.6%. The closest team is at. 20.9 and that's San Diego. And then yeah. the next closest one after that is 22%. So they're almost 4% ahead of like, who's that? Every who's other that team. Third team. Who's that third team? I'm sorry. Uh, Boston Red Sox at 22%. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's the same story. I mean, I know that there was that, that, that stretch where they, they could have been cheating. I mean, they were cheating. Let's just face <laughs> it. But they also had, they also brought in a bunch of guys who don't strike out a lot. And it's 2021. They've been outed. They've been caught. They've been punished. And they're still leading the league in strikeout percentage, the least amount of strikeouts in all of baseball in terms of percentage wise. So uh, it's just a, it's just a, a kudos to their uh, highest batting average as well. I mean, either that or, or they, maybe they, they're using buzzers or something. Or, or, <laughs> I don't know, it's maybe, on maybe. his bat. It's the authentication sticker. It has a wire. It's on his cock. It's on his ball sack. <laughs> Uh, the Mariners are the last team we're going to mention here in the L West. Uh, our guy Corey from the Work Shoot podcast is asking, uh, would you pick up George Kirby uh, in a dynasty league? And oh, I yeah, go, for, for sure. You have to. I mean, if, if he's even available, like I, available, I wouldn't expect yeah. him to be available. Yeah, stop talking to us and go pick him up if, if you if you so desire. But yeah, any any high level prospect like that, you have to pick up. I mean, yeah. it's a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. Twenty and twenty. Uh, that's another six man rotation. Uh, they're bringing up all their guys already. It looks like it's that time of year. Uh, Logan Gilbert is uh, is cemented as their defense right is now. suddenly improved upon uh, greater than it was two weeks ago. So uh, <laughs> we're glad their defense got to a position where uh, they felt comfortable calling them up because we all know that, you know, that defense is really the sticking point about you got to play 10 or about 12 games in AAA before you can come up. Uh, yeah, that's like Jerry Kalenic uh, hits a home run in the second game and then proceeds to strike out three times the next night, but that's fine. Growing Pains, uh, great show from the 80s, I guess. Uh, and it's now a, a current event thing with uh, minor league prospects getting called up in the middle of May. Uh, Mitch Hanniger, cemented at the number two spot. That's a guy you just mentioned as a possible trade piece. I mean, th- th- this team is loaded with a bunch of trade pieces yeah. uh, if that's what they want. So, but uh We'll see how they go, but it's an interesting. We always said it was an interesting team. It's just it's not there yet, and I'm surprised that they're even in third place at this point. Let's move on to the National League West, and we both had the Dodgers, like everybody else in the world. And it turns out, oops, no, it turns out the Giants uh, are a real deal. Um, we talk about the Giants every single week. It seems like uh, what? But so let's start with the Dodgers. What's wrong with them? I mean, they're 22 and 17, but they should be. Um, I don't know. It just seems like the whole world's falling apart with the Dodgers. Corey Seager, injured list. Cody Bellinger, injured list. Tony Gonsolin, injured list. Dustin May, injured list. Yeah. Uh, half of their bullpen, uh, Caleb Ferguson, Bruce Dargat- uh, Gratterall, Tommy Canely, uh, Corey Knable, uh, David even Price. David Price. They're yeah. all on the injured list. Scott Alexander. And it's, I mean, that bullpen went from being 
their strength. I mm-hmm. thought it was probably the best bullpen in baseball. Yeah. Maybe the Mets in uh, Tampa maybe were like right there with them. But I mean, they're missing six relief pitchers. That That's tough. And then you add on that Cody Bellinger, likely one of their best players aside from Mookie Betts, who Mookie Betts himself yeah. is even struggling a little bit. Yeah, so, he's not the same guy as last year. Uh, the last two years, as uh, Sean collects himself, he's sad, shook up about Mookie Betts struggling. Yeah, so so sad. I had the tickle in my throat. I was just like, Mookie Betts, what what have they done to you? And they aside murdered from, my Mookie. <laughs> and aside Mookie Wilson, aside <laughs> from Albert Pujols getting signed, uh, they also went ahead and got Yoshi Tsutsugo, who's now listed as our first baseman. Uh, in number right two now. hitter, according to roster resource. I, I don't think that happens, but hey, anything's possible. It's a it's a decent number two. I mean, he's a he's a contact guy, right? He's a, uh, he he can't hit he I liked him coming over out of Japan more than I like more international prospects. The issue he ran into was even though yes, he did take his walks just like he did in Japan, he never adjusted to the major league fastball and he just got dominated by velocity. Uh, he posted, you know, solid walk rates, 14% last year mm-hmm. and nearly 10% this year, but batted 197 and 167. And it's very rare that we see a team like Tampa completely with on a player like this, uh, especially with how much they spent. I think they were paying him like $6 million each mm-hmm. year, last year and this year. Um, it, 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 he just there, the adjustment to major league velocity was never made. Maybe Tampa or a, LA turns him into Max Muncy 2.0. I don't know, but that's like the best case scenario, I think. And let's talk about the Giants really quick because they are in first place. They deserve a little bit more than just the blur that we're giving him. Uh, Mike Talkman, we just talked about him at the beginning. And, and, you know, that's the number one underlying issue with all these teams that are struggling is that uh, you can't have enough depth. It's like what Vince said that to start the show, there's a method to my madness here, Sean. You can't ever have too much depth on your team because it, you can either hope for the best, like the White Sox are doing right now and it's working for them, or you can do something about it like the Dodgers are trying to do or like the Giants actually have done. And like again, Mike Talkman, number one leadoff hitter for that team. There's no uh, question who's going to be hitting and uh, the top of the lineup with the Giants anymore. It's Mike Talkman and Bust, even though, like we talked about, they have all these other outfielders, you know, on that team, like the Steven Duggars of the world, the Austin Slaters of the world. They're going to stick with Mike Talk. We just acquired you, and we believe in you. We're going to put you in at the number one spot all the time. You don't have to worry about matchups uh, ever. He started a couple of games this past week against left-handed pitching uh, on Friday and Saturday. It doesn't matter. He's going to be there. It's a solid. It, it's it's a cemented lineup, and and that's and that just uh, adds on to the Mike Yastrzemski's, the Buster Posey's, who's having a a rebound year. I think that's the big key right there is that Buster Posey's uh, healthy and rested and and leading that team once again, and they're in first place yeah. because of it. The 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 biggest I think sticking point that we can take from San Francisco so far this year is the reimagination and revitalization of Buster Posey, and to a degree Evan Longoria, who we saw this. Possibly last year in the skill change uh, Buster Posey. We really didn't see last year because he didn't play, mm-hmm. but maybe that was what 34 year old Buster Posey needed. Maybe he just needed a break like yeah. f- physically. Yeah. Uh, he's been a catcher for over 10 years. Yep, that, That's tough. And now he got a little breather and he's back doing Buster Posey things. My only worry with their is with their rotation, which has been very good so far. Uh, the average age of it is like 32, 
The youngest is Logan Webb, who's only tw- uh, 24, but everybody else is over 30. And then Jake McGee, who Mr. I throw only fastballs. Um, <laughs> he had been lights out for them as their closer, but his last two appearances on uh-huh. Friday, blown save Saturday gets tagged with the loss. The submariner, Tyler Rogers, uh, not Taylor Rogers, but Tyler Rogers has picked up, I believe two saves uh, in the last week or something like that. Close enough. Um, It'll be interesting. I think they reveled in the fact that everybody dismissed them. Nobody talked about them. And I think that's whoa, 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 exactly whoa, what they on. wanted. We talked about them. We yeah, had but we still them. we still had the Padres and Dodgers in front of them. No, but I we, we had them at, at a solid number three. It's a real solid number three, better than the D-backs and Rockies. Miles away better than the D-backs and Rockies. And you know, it's it's my turn to do a little victory lap as uh, Kevin Gossman has uh, really shown to be a real ace. Real ace starting pitcher there. He's my he's my best pitcher. I got Lucas Giolito and Kevin Gossman. And said, "All right, well, if Luke Giolito can't do the job, I'll do the job for you, Felipe. Don't worry. Put I'll put that seam on my back." And thank God for him. Really, really. But aside from that, I mean, we talk about these guys all the time. Alex Wood and Andrew, Anthony Descalfani. Aaron Sanchez is on the DL, but we talked about I'm sorry the IL, but we talked about him uh, as well as uh, reclamation projects because of the big dimensions in San Francisco. Actually, somebody asked me. Felipe, who would you rather have? Who would you pick up right now for the upcoming week? Alex Wood or Logan Gilbert? Without hesitation, I go Alex Wood. Unless you're willing to uh, live with the growing pains that Logan Gilbert's going to give you in the next couple of weeks, then pick up Logan Gilbert. But if you were looking for right now, right now, this instance, you want productivity at this moment, you pick up Alex Wood. And I put my money where my mouth is. I have Alex Wood in all my fantasy teams, not, not looking to drop him anytime soon, as long as he produces. And that's, I think that's part of the equation with the Giants is that they did a really good job of uh, pinpointing which 30-year-old pitchers still had something on their tank and could take advantage of their big dimensions out in San Francisco. Uh, D-backs, I think the only bright spot that I want to talk about is Josh Rojas. because he's Hey, 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 and Paven <laughs> Smith. Don't you disrespect them like that. Well, Josh Rojas has been saving me at second base in my other league. I mean, I mean... I'm, my team's still struggling because of all the injuries, especially to Ketel Marte, but Rojas is uh, keeping me above water. David Peralta looking like he's uh, kind of uh, healthy for the first time in a long time. Oh, that's a guy that the, that, that was the one that was on my mind, left-handed outfielder. He would be a great fit for the White Sox. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. I mean, they're always looking for left-handed bats. They, they would get one right here. Uh, Dalton Varsho looks like he's finally slowly but surely getting Carson some Kelly broke his time. foot, so Varsho came up, and he's been playing half catcher, half center field. Well, I, that's not good for me. I wanted him as my as an outfielder who qualifies as a catcher. Damn it. Now, if he's a catcher, he's just like everybody else. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Rockies. Is there anything to talk about with the Rockies? <laughs> pain <laughs> there's a lot of pain is being a rockies fan right now well, they fired their general manager um the the guy who was running this team to the ground and i don't know man this doesn't seem like anything has changed uh since then um they still have the same players now now they're listed as a six-man oh okay there's a spot start julius chasin is still in the league i didn't know that i thought yeah, he, pitched talk- for the, he pitched for like the yankees this year oh, i he think he, he was just on the yankees i i don't know uh-huh. when he Came back to Cleveland or not Cleveland, Colorado. Colorado? Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Gray looks like he's done. I mean, he looks more done than Chris Bryant did and last it's, year. It's uh, funny with John Gray is he's been great at home, and yeah. then he's been absolute crap on the road, which is weird. Uh, Herman Marquez has struggled. Hopefully, yeah. they just finally trade him. Uh, I hope to God he goes to San Francisco. Oh, I hope yeah. San Francisco thinks they can win and they trade for him. 
oh my god that would be the greatest thing in the world well it's it's the same thing we talked about with robert stevenson where it's like how is he doing this well at home uh and struggling on the road it's just mind-boggling well it looks like the bottom finally came out of robert stevenson it's inevitable he's a colorado reliever it was inevitable, but it was funny while it lasted. Uh, since we talked about him, his ERA has gone up to 5.17. His expected ERA has gone up to 5.99. His FIP has gone That's up to That's the 4. Robert 5. Stevenson we know. 4.53. So, yeah, uh, it was uh, – I don't know. Maybe he had a home game that he pitched. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe he had a road game that he had pitched or something. But, yeah, that would be interesting to see what went wrong with him. But, oh, well, we, we you know, we, we tried to dig deep – for you guys and it didn't work out but it was fun while it lasted moving on to the nl central brewers uh, i had the brewers in first right now they're in second you had the reds in first right now they're in third and getting to multiple fights we were both right about the cubs and pirates though so a little victory laugh for both of us I put two at ourselves up. on the back at ourselves on the back uh okay so the cardinals we we on you know every year we we get really hopeful about the cardinals right like oh man they look really good they do all the right moves they make all this but it's like it just doesn't work out and their pitching staff was in not not in shambles but it was undefined literally undefined no one knows who the uh the other two three four guys would be on the rotation or who's going to be closing who's going to be setting up it was like a it was like a like a term paper that was due the next day and you're you're working on it all night long in hopes that you get a good grade out of it that's what the cardinals are but it's finally working it's looking like it's every all the pieces are put into place they have the rotation set uh it looks like they're gonna go they just lost yeah they just lost carlos martinez so they are going to be in need of a fifth starter uh probably someone like miles michaelis i believe just made his second rehab start in the minor leagues so it's uh they just seem like they're teetering on the brink uh, the top of their lineup's been solid so far. Edmund Carlson, Goldschmidt, Arenado. Uh, Matt Carpenter is getting more playing time with Paul DeYoung out. They've moved Edmund over to short. Uh, Tyler O'Neill has come back bashing after his injury. He is just like, I think he sent like seven home runs in the 12 games or 14 games that he's been back. Something crazy. Uh, Bader's healthy and in center field being gold glove. O'Neill's a gold glover. They're a team that the fundamentals are all there. But once again, I worry about the depth, both in the position players and in the rotation. And what would be a talk about the Cardinals without talking about Nolan Arenado? Um, how are you looking at him right now so far? Uh, um, he was doing good. He's had a really hot uh, homestand, I believe it was. They've been at home. Um, he's not striking out, just like he's never, he's never really been a big strikeout guy. Uh, I'm a little skeptical about the eight home runs so far. <laughs> And I mean, it's, it's Nolan Arenado. I'm not, I don't want to totally discount him, but he's a guy that I want to see where he is at, at the end of the year. Well, right now I'm looking at his Fangraphs page and his (laughs) numbers from last year are identical to this year. Uh, Eight home runs last year, eight home runs this year, 23 runs last year, 22 runs this year, 26 RBI last year, 26 RBI this year. Uh, He walked rate of around seven strikeouts and around 10 to 13, just like last year. Uh, it's um, it's very weird. His on-base percentage is way up this year. So it, it looks like the notion that he's only good because of the Rockies and the, and the course field effect, it might be slowly but surely dying. But I, it, it's a hard – like we've seen what St. Louis has done to Marcelo Zuna, and I feel like the same thing is, will be happening to Nolan Arenado just because that's just the way it is. I don't know. And Paul Goldschmidt has also – 
I don't know about you, but he's kind of underwhelmed as well. Uh, you know, he is getting older, so but he's expected- posted the highest expected batting average so far of his career. Both the exit velocity and the average launch angle are roughly the same uh, with his entire career. But I would like to go. I need to go check the leaderboard. But I would assume that his launch standard deviation of launch angle, how tight the launch angle is, would be extremely high because he's also posted a career high line drive rate at 29.1. The defense though, according to outs above average, which is the baseball savant defensive metric has him as a minus one. He's never been in the negatives in OAA before in his entire career. Arenado. Oh, okay. So you're talking about Goldschmidt still. No, no, no. No, this is all Arenado. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought it was Goldschmidt. (laughs) No, no, no. This is all Arenado. He's posted the highest XBA of his career. Uh, he's still hitting a lot of fly balls. I mean, that's always been what he did in Colorado and it worked. Um, he's actually lifted more fly balls this year than he did last year. I, like I said, I, I want to see where he is at the end of the year. He has become almost a complete dead pull hitter, uh, a pull percentage of almost 50%. So you worry that maybe teams start shifting on him more. Uh, just had his shift percentages here. Yeah, so far, teams have only shifted against him 12%. But if they see a 50% dead pull hitter, you would think they're going to start putting three guys on that left side of the infield. And moving on to the Brewers now, uh, unlike these other teams we talked about, they're pretty much healthy except for Christian Yelich, who it's just been frustrating to be a Christian Yelich uh, fantasy owner, much less to be a Milwaukee Brewers fan, just kind of waiting for Christian Yelich. Uh, okay. So other, yeah, it's Christian Yelich is the top guy that they haven't had back. Uh, but in the meantime, no pun intended there, by the way, but in the meantime, I mean, they still have most of their lineup uh, playing regularly. They got Colton Wong back who, uh, for a while, he was the spark plug for that offense. Uh, the pitching, the rotation has been pretty that, that, that's, south. That's the carried them. Woodruff, yeah. Burns, Hauser, and Peralta have just been dominant. And then you still have a pretty darn good uh, bullpen with Josh Hader at the top of the uh, of the depth chart there. Um, so I, they're twenty and twenty without Christian Yelich is pretty. That's pretty freaking good, I think. Yeah. So they're in line. And with they're- Heston here falling off the face of the planet. <laughs> so basically yeah. they, they lost Hira and Yelich. Yelich due to injury, Hira because inconsistencies. He, yeah, he can't hit a ball. Uh the Reds, uh, that's another team that that you look at their lineup and it's like, wow, that's a pretty gar- darn good lineup. But you know, uh Jesse Winker has been up uh, uh, a godsend for them. Now they, they realize like, hey, we should probably start this guy every single game, right? And they have. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's left hand. Well, actually, they face nothing but right-handed pitchers this week. But anyway, Castellanos has been up and down. Mike Mustakis, uh, Eugenio Suarez has struggled, but it looks like a little bit of uh, Rocky's home cooking or, or road cooking, I should say, has uh, done him some wonders. It looks like, at least that's what I think. He's on my team and he's posted the highest amount of points this week than he has in the last month or so. So I'm excited for that. But the big story is Luis Castillo. Okay, you're Mr. Expert here, Mr. Pitching Expert. What is wrong with Luis Castillo? He's not throwing his changeup. And it's not, I think, a issue of it's no longer effective. I think he's lost command of the pitch. Oh, and I mean, he went. He was throwing the changeup. Uh, well, the last oh, last few starts this year, he's ditched the changeup, uh, and that's. I mean, he's throwing it thirty five percent of the time, and it's just not getting the same effect that it was, you know in years prior where it consistently posted with percentages of 40% fastball velo slightly down 
but still there, 96, 97. Uh, the slider, he's always had command issues with it, and he's throwing it about the same as usual. It's just, I feel like he's lost. And I saw a tweet somewhere in the last couple of days where he could throw a quality start, six innings, giving up three runs for the rest of the year. His ERA would be five and a half. (laughs) He has a 7.71 ERA, uh, only one win in eight starts. I mean, this is a guy that was consensus top six, top seven starting pitcher, easily going in the second round of all drafts, and it's gone. And this is, I thought this was going to be the best pitching rotation in this division. I thought it was going to be better than Milwaukee. I thought it was going to be better than St. Louis. And it's, aside from Wade Miley's no-hitter, it looks kind of, I mean, Tyler Maley's had his moments. Yeah. Sonny Gray's just back from injury. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't know what to make, make of them. The lineup's awesome, but the pitching is really elusive. And then really quick, let's talk about the Cubs. I know we mentioned them a little bit. And a bit. I just feel like, you know, I don't want to hear from the Cubs fans. Like, why are you talking about the White Sox, not the Cubs? Uh, listen, man, the Cubs, they're fully healthy. Finally, they got Ian Happ and Nico Horner back. So we'll see what that goes. Chris Bryant's having a, a, a rejuvenation year so far. So right it's a free time agent for here. Free, well, aside from that, it looks like he's finally healthy. And uh, all the, all of the uh, stack has numbers are finally in the red and not in the blue like they have been in the past couple of years. Uh, Anthony Rizzo is looking pretty, you know, consistent. Uh, the pitching looks pretty serviceable after I kind of like just brushed them off and say, oh, whatever, just a bunch of 88 guys, a bunch of 88 mile per hour guys who don't do anything. Uh, they, they've held their own. Uh, and the bullpen, Craig Kimbrell, looks like his old self again, although he did blow a save last night, it looks like. Yeah, yeah I saw that as well. <laughs> yeah, he's on your team, so yes. uh, but you're, you're pretty happy with him, right? Yeah, he's been great so far. And as far as the Pirates go, it's all about the future. Um, I don't know if any of these players will be there in the next couple of years, except for maybe Cabrian Hayes and maybe Cabrian Hayes. <laughs> but once again, their starting pitching is kind of surprising. that We always bring them up because they're always like at the top of – the uh, uh of the uh, free agency yeah uh, one of their guys is like slated for two starts and we're like hey should we add this guy yeah uh <laughs> and who's that guy this week i can't see oh okay it doesn't go that far into the future but it would be maybe jt brubaker hey that that's the guy if he's probably already on somebody's roster but uh i saw somebody with the, the butterfly like is this meme and it was uh the guy looking at the butterfly and over the butterfly, it says JT Brubaker. The person's asking, is this an ace? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got one for you. As the butterfly is Richard Rodriguez. Is this a closer? <laughs> Honestly, David Bednar needs to be closing games for them. Uh, he was the guy, he was the afterthought in the Padres deal in which uh, Lucchese went to the Mets. Uh, that one guy went from Pit- oh Joe Musgrove, the, the no-hitter of that guy. Uh, he's been awesome. Uh, strikeouts are exactly like they were in the minors for him over 11 walks are down. The splitter is awesome. Uh, He needs to be closing games because he's the best talented one, but we know that the best reliever isn't always the closer. Uh, James Karinczak. Yeah. Or Manuel Classe is not no slouch himself. No, he's no slouch. He's been struggling lately. Yeah. He he had uh, four walks all year. And then in that game versus Seattle, he came in in the ninth inning and walked the bases loaded Uh, three walks when he'd only given up four for a month and a half. 
I tell you, man, this has got to be one of the most disappointing bullpens I've ever owned in, the, in our baseball life league <laughs> in terms of fantasy baseball. It's, it has to be one of the worst I've ever owned. I mean, it's a bunch of big names, and they're all wetting the bed. So, anyway, uh, moving on to your, your favorite division, the National League East, and the reason why you're going to Atlanta is to see these two teams hammering it out. And right now, the Mets have the upper hand at 18 and 15, despite all the injuries, despite no Nemo, no DeGrom lately, uh, Lindor with an OPS under 600. It's been a total mess there, but they are three games over 500. The Mets, let's start with the Mets. What? Tell me something quick about the New York Mets. Uh, their pitching has been great. Taiwan Walker is looking like an absolute. Also mentioned on our episode last week, go yep. listen to it about post-type prospects. Taiwan Walker who I was very hesitant for the Mets to sign. I thought he was I, he didn't need three years. Everything didn't look like it had rebounded completely. Um, but his velocity is back up. He says this is the best he's felt in probably five years. Wow. Uh, he feels completely healthy. Uh, David Peterson uh, had the kind of tough loss yesterday or uh, two nights ago. They need to grow back. And right around the corner, it's so close that Mets fans can almost taste it. But Syndergaard and Carrasco will probably be back by the time they're allowed to come off, which is June 1st. But the bullpen's been awesome aside from yesterday in which they combined to give up like 10 runs. But that was Joey LaCasey mainly and some bad luck. The offense has been inconsistent, to say the least. But there's too much talent in that lineup. Even with Nemo out, even with J.D. Davis out, the lineup's too talented to not be hitting the amount of home runs they should be, which we have seen. They went down to Tampa. They're in a dome, temperature controlled. There's not much wind. But at home, they've only hit like 10 or 12 home runs. Most all of their home runs have come on the road. Um, Alonzo hit a home run yesterday. Lindor hit a home run yesterday. Once their power starts coming back, I think this is going to be a very dangerous lineup. And with how well they've pitched both in the rotation and the bullpen, I still think they're the favorite to win this division. And other injuries. Seth Lugo is out. Uh, Dylan Patances is out. Carlos Carrasco is out. Brand, uh, we just mentioned Brandon Nimmo. But Jose Martinez, we talked about him in the offseason, being a really nice uh, piece off the bench. He's been hurt. Uh, since he signed with them, and so yeah, he uh, he tore his meniscus in spring yeah. training, coming off a of base. Uh, JD Davis has been out, which is supposed to be their uh, hot corner guy. So yeah. who's their hot corner? Oh, Jonathan VR now gets extra <sighs> playing time. So uh, Met, Mets uh, which... fans have seriously tried to say that since the team won with VR and Pilar in the lineup, that when Nemo and JD Davis come back, they need to go to the bench. Even though Kevin Pillar has a sub six sub seven hundred OPS and VR is at like seven oh five, you know what and it is, he's Sean. an even worse fielder than JD, and people <laughs> don't see it. They're like, oh no, he doesn't double clutch, so he must be better. He's a terrible defender. He's a good base runner, and that's all he is. You know what it is? It just they just want the they just want that to work. Because if the team if this team wins with Kevin Pillar and Jonathan Villar, it's going to be Pillar Villar. It will take you afar. <laughs> The new, it's the new I like Ike. That was so cringy, and I loved it. Uh, it, it that's how I see you Mets fans all the time. All cringe, no, no, nothing else. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, Braves, the Braves. Uh, let's talk about the Braves really quick because uh, I, I, I don't know what their excuse is anymore. I mean, Soroka is not coming out of that tunnel to save you guys. Darno is hurt. Uh, He's but, done for the year. 
Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, oh, it wow. was a uh, one of those bad thumb ligament torn required surgery. So, oh uh, my god, yeah, because yeah. when I saw thumb, I thought, oh well, you know, no big deal. JT Realmuto no. came back from a thumb injury, and now he's the no, best he, catch he, in all baseball. Yeah, he tore his ligament in his thumb. I uh, believe Chris, I'm not sure if they have him on the 60. Yeah, no, he is on the 60 IL, but okay. he he's not expected to come back. Uh, Christian Pache, but we already talked about him. Uh, he's gonna need some uh, more seasoning, so to speak. Yeah, uh, he has bolt- he hasn't been good even when he has played. But the bullpen has been in shambles uh, lately uh, this past week. Uh, the rotation has been pretty up and down. Thank God for Huascar Yanoa, which we, that's a guy we talked at the very beginning of the season. We told you guys, go pick him up. I hope you guys did. I, I picked him up. I have not dropped him in any of my leagues, and he's been uh, one of my saviors in my uh, pitching staff. So I hope you guys did listen to us and picked up Huascar Yanoa, who looks like he's uh, finally a mainstay in that rotation. Um, but I don't know, man. Aside from that, that's this is the complete opposite. There's not a lot of big name injuries. All their big name players are out there. I just I Freeman off to a slow, slow-ish start. He's only batting like 220. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still has an OPS like over 800 because he's hitting like I think he has eight or nine home runs and he's still taking his walks because he's yeah. Freddie freaking Freeman. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is coming back down to earth. It's almost like players. Yeah. I mean, he got paid and he's like, oh, I, oh, I don't need man. to hit the ball hard anymore. And I I think this team is very lucky to be 19 and 20 Mm -hmm. because if it wasn't for uh, Pablo Sandoval, who has been the pinch hitter extraordinaire for them, (laughs) he has four home runs and 10 RBIs as a pinch hitter in 18 plate of earth, 18 at bats. Uh, Uh, His batting average, I believe last time I looked was actually higher than his on base percentage as a pinch hitter because he's probably tried to lug out a double and I really need to go find that video because I think it'd be entertaining to watch. Uh, the typical Pablo Sandoval stuff, man. He just hacks at anything and he he still is able to make really good contact with the ball. I mean, he's I mean, four home runs in 18 at bats as a pinch hitter. And they've like, they've all come late in games to tie games to put him ahead. So like I said, I think they are very fortunate to only be a game under 500. What's more impressive, 18 games and four home runs from Pablo Sandoval or 18 games and four stolen bases from Billy Hamilton? <laughs> Both are part-time players, by the way. What is this, 2014, 2013? I, I'm telling you, bro, I'm <laughs> telling you. I'm telling you, man. It's like, it's like I'm back. I'm there, I'm back in my apartment writing for XNSports.com and writing about how Pablo Sandoval can make contact at a high percentage rate outside the strike zone. And Billy Hamilton is just super uber fast. Oh, somebody just put out an article on bad ball hitters. And I wasn't sure if it was on MLB or not. Oh, I'd love to go back and find it. But it was a really good article. Really good way, article. Really quick before I forget, Ozzy Albies, your cleanup hitter for this team. Oh, you know, I've never been big on Ozzy Albies. I know. Uh, moving on to the Marlin, the Miami Marlin. Uh, we like their makeup. We thought this could be a, the last place team, but not. It's just a tough division to be in, and they've done enough to be in fourth place. And the Nationals aren't dead last, uh, so a little bit of a a switch there. Uh, what can you tell us about the Marlins? They're not scoring enough runs. the The rotation has been as you know pretty good as we thought it was. They've had a couple of injuries that have held them back. Uh, but they've been, I mean, the rotation's good. The bullpen's okay. Uh, injuries, though, to Starling Marte. Uh, Jesus Aguilar is really just now rounding into form. Of course, as quick as Jazz Chisholm was here, he was gone. He just came back, I believe, yesterday in their game versus Los Angeles. Um, without Jazz Chisholm, this offense seems a whole lot less dynamic, even yeah. with, especially without Starling Marte, because I think you would optimally want 
those two guys like they, they play with like their hairs on fire. <laughs> and then you put like Jesus Aguilar, Brian Anderson's had a really tough start. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Rojas and John Birdie have split time. Birdie has struggled. Rojas is doing okay. It's just the offense, which was what we were worried about with them, is just like their rotation. Their rotation is what we thought they were. What's that Romeo Cronell meme? No, they, no, they Dennis are, Green. Dennis uh, okay, Green. close enough. Come on, man. <laughs> they are who we thought they were. That is the description of the Miami Marlins season. I mean, Romeo Cronell is such a soft-spoken guy, and then you got the firecracker that is Dennis Green, who just... Yeah, I miss Dennis Green. He was a good guy. Rest in peace. Uh, uh, well, you, the other piece that's missing here for... Oh, God. <laughs> What, what a like, segue. What a segue. I, yeah, as soon as it came out of my mouth, like, uh-oh. But the, the piece that's missing here, uh, Sean, is Jorge Alfaro not being in the regular lineup. Yeah, Chad Wallach and Sandy Leon. Because uh, Jorge Alfaro is so good at catcher <laughs> that uh, offensively that that's what's missing. for. I mean, when we're talking about Chad Wallach, yeah, I would take Jorge Alfaro too. Yeah. The, the no offense to Chad Wallach or Chad Wallach's dad, who's like the coach on the team. Tim but Wallach, yeah, uh, former Dodger and Expo, I believe. I think they're uh, both. He, his dad was a catcher too, right? No, uh, well, he might have started as a catcher. I can't but remember. I remember him as a third baseman. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Maybe he was I, Brandon Inge. Maybe he was catcher third base. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's possible. Uh, but the point was that uh, Jorge Alvarez sucks. Like I told you guys <laughs> from the very beginning. Uh, oh, by the way, you talk about the rotation, and that's with Sixto Sanchez starting out in the minor leagues. And Trevor Rogers, who we're going to be talking about in just a little bit, but the Nationals. Let's finish up with the Nationals here. Uh, we 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 had a bad bad feeling that this is the the the, the descendants the descendancy of uh, the Washington Nationals perennial contenders. As they're getting older, they're looking a lot more broken down. They're not getting any more athletic. I mean, you sign Kyle Schwarber. This is what you expect. Uh, Juan Soto is back though. Um, so maybe that's going to write the ship. You know, he's on my fantasy team, as you know, Sean. So I'm hoping that that's going to write my ship because I desperately need my offense to start producing. Once again, it's, it, I don't, anyway, I don't want to talk about my team. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're, you're counting on Kyle Schwarber. I mean, not, not that there's nothing wrong with Kyle Schwarber, but that's like, you're setting yourself up if you get Kyle Schwarber on your lineup on a regular basis. All right. You're, you're in for some really bad times with Kyle Schwarber. And I'm not saying this as a disgruntled cuss fan. It's, it's just, that's just who he is. You know, he's a great power hitter, but he's he's got the 220 average is going to be a pain in the ass to deal with. Uh, Josh Harrison, I mean, you're another old guy on that team. You're, you're, you're depending on Sterling Castro, another old guy you're depending on this team uh, to do something. And Victor Robles has not been that uber prospect we were hoping that he would be. Ryan Zimmerman's off the bench, but still another old guy, another from another old guy you're trying to count on for. I don't know, veteran leadership. I don't know. And Max Scherzer uh, has been great. He's been yeah, awesome. He has been. He <laughs> has been. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away, but everybody else, like Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, John Lester. John Lester, you're counting on John Lester to get you over the hump. Yeah, that, that that's the – and Patrick Corbin, you look at his stat line, it, it's absolutely terrible. Uh, K per nine under uh, eight. It's actually under seven and a half. Uh, 6.1 ERA, 6.5 expected ERA, FIP of 6.4. XFIP of four and a half, which is slightly higher than where he usually is. And then it gets even worse when you realize that this is after three consecutive quality starts where he's going to combine 20 innings and allowed six runs over those 20 innings. But all three were quality starts. And it's after those three starts that his ERA is down to six. Mm. And but the issues with him are still there. Uh, It's, you know, the velocity's gone. It's ticked up a little bit this year compared to last year, but he's a two-pitch pitcher, and the fastball is hittable. So 
and they're not chasing the slider. It's not getting as many whiffs. He did it like his last start. One of the quality starts has was the best so far. So maybe he turns a corner, but I'm not holding my breath over a 31 year old left-hander with declining velocity. And if you drafted Brad hand, you must be very pulling your hair at this moment and pissed off. He just blew a save on Wednesday and you have not seen him ever since after throwing 24 pitches. Uh, no, this, this team's a, this seems a giant mess, man. This is a very disappointing, not disappointing, but it's just, a, it's a, it's a train wreck. Yeah. Uh, but this is the results of years and years and years of trying to, uh, stay at the top of the division and trying to compete. And yeah, I think I from Max Scherzer, but that's pretty much it's, all you have at this point. It's funny because Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg are still owed to combine like $350 million over the next six years. Yeah, so well, that's going to age well. You know what? It was worth it because they won a world series finally. And that's all you can ask for. But yeah, this is, this is part of it, right? This is the uh, other side of the spectrum is welcome to uh, baseball hell. But yeah, <laughs> But again, Juan Soto is back. So, I mean, that's your future. That is the future of baseball. So we'll see what he does on the offensive side of things. Uh, Max Scherzer is holding his weight. So let's see if Juan Soto can, uh, especially for my sake, can start playing like we thought he could be. I just have this gut feeling they are going to blow it all up. Listen, I mean, man, we've been talking about Mike Rizzo having to blow things up for the last three or four years. I remember Bryce Harper. He was supposed to blow up the whole team because they, they were not going to sign Bryce Harper long term anyway. And they refused to trade him away for anything. I, I don't think they got anything out of the Bryce Harper, uh, uh, him walking from the Nationals, right? They didn't even get a first-round pick, right? Uh, they got something I, because they offered him a qualifying offer and he refused oh, okay, it. Okay. So I'd have to go back and look at who that was. But Josh Bell is still bad again. Uh, nobody wanted to believe me. Everyone said, oh, yeah, they acquired an all-star first baseman. That's going to help mm. the lineup. That's going to help offset this. Mm. But they didn't want to listen that Josh Bell over his last like 161 games going into this year was a negative war player. He was <laughs> bad and he's batting 156 with a 30% strikeout rate and an on base under 220. So yeah, he, he sucks. Ryan Zimmerman should be playing first base Ooh, every single day. Wow. And, you know, and you know, that's bad. He's actually had a pretty good year, but Josh Bell is just like an absolute train wreck. Yeah. Which maybe, is maybe. like you said, is fitting for this team. Yeah. So let's move on to the awards and then we can finish up. There's the American League Awards. Uh, we thought I thought Vladimir Guerrero, not that. Oh, by the way, the Nationals are three and seven in the last 10 games. I just wanted to point that out. Hey, Leon, Leon Tompkins, step back podcast. You know, this is what happens, right? You win the basketball championship, our fantasy basketball championship game. And now your Nationals, your, your baseball team sucks ass. So <laughs> it was worth it. What uh, did it cost? Everything. Everything. Well, I told him too. Like, hey, watch you. You win the fantasy basketball championship, and the Brooklyn Nets get trounced in like the early rounds of the playoffs of the NBA playoffs. So, so I hope you're happy with that fantasy championship. Okay, so American League awards. I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning the whole thing. You had Shohei Otani, and according to Fangraphs WAR, the 2.4 Mike Trout leads. Surprise, surprise, leading all of baseball in offensive WAR. Um, the offensive hitters in WAR at 2.4. Uh, are you shocked by this revelation here, Sean? No, uh, okay. I think he Otani is doing everything I expected of him, if not more. Mm -hmm. uh, he's 1.1 war as a hitter. I believe he's tied for the major league lead or he might be one behind somebody in home runs. Um, so he's worth 1.1 war as a hitter and through five starts, he's worth about half a run. Uh, it's been really weird for him, though. He's got this 2.1 ERA. Uh, a K per nine over 14, only two starters. I believe that have that are him and Jacob deGrom. 
but he has skated the thinnest of ropes <laughs> with a walk per nine of slightly over seven. The difference is he's giving up walks, but nobody can hit him. He's given up 11 hits in 25 innings. He has nearly double the amount of walks as he does hits allowed. So I expect that to balance out. I expect him not to walk as many guys. I expect him to give up more hits. But if he is anywhere around a three ERA and 25 starts, and that would put him at roughly a three-win player uh, just on the pitching side of things, and at after 450 plate appearances as a hitter, he would be around a, another three and a half win player there. You're looking at eight to nine wins above replacement on both sides of the ball where he's hit 30 home runs, stolen upwards of almost 20 bases, and then pitched 25 games. He has to be MVP. Just has to be. There, there's no other way. I don't know, man. MVP on a losing team like the Angels uh, the, because there's a bunch of losers on there? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but that's going to be the future now, isn't it, Sean? Because there's a lot of uh, – uh, it seems like there's a lot of players who are two-way that are coming up from, in the minor leagues. Uh, Hunter Green is the guy who comes to mind right now. I, I don't. Hunter, Hunter Green's a uh, 100% pitcher now. They're, they're no. not, oh, they're yeah. not even bothering? Okay, yeah, they're so not even bothering. What about Brandon McKay? Uh, McKay was pitching – for Triple A Durham, last time I saw, he's still recovering from, I believe, that shoulder surgery he had last year. But the hitting thing with him was more novelty than anything. Uh, well, well, remember Otani? That was supposed to be a novelty as well when he got in. Yeah, I, as much as I like to say, because I really liked what I saw from Brendan McKay as a hitter, the stat line wasn't near as good as when you watched him. He hit one of the hardest balls I saw in Montgomery. It was like 112 off the bat, and. I they they're just focusing on him being a pitcher. It's right. they're not the team that I think would let him bat in the games he pitches just because of his injury history. Okay. And I mean, I, Otani's the same way, but I think Otani's <laughs> a bit more of a game changer offensively than McKay yeah. has shown he could be. Yeah, if only he was on a better team, I guess we we would. Finally, <laughs> although we could say the same thing about Mike Trout. If he were only on a better team, we could see how awesome he is. Uh, Sion Ward had the Lucas Giolito. You had Kenta Maeda. Oh God, that's blowing up. <laughs> and Garrett Cole uh, at the top of the of Yankee Dumb. Uh, I think we tried to outthink ourselves here. <laughs> we yeah. probably should have just gone with Garrett Cole. Yeah, probably. Um, we probably should have done that, but you know, we 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 try to be at the. You know what? We could have been vanilla. I mean, I guess we were vanilla on some of our MLB standing picks, but we try to go above and beyond for the uh, players. All right, here we go. Andrew Vaughn for Rookie of the Year. I had Jared Kalenic Rookie of the Year for Sean. I still Ryan, think those are two solid picks because Vaughn's getting into a rhythm now, and yeah, he looks, looks really like, good. And Kalenic just got called up, but the, your leaders are from the Texas Rangers: Adoles Garcia and Dane Dunning on the pitching side as your uh, Rookie of the Year leaders, according to Fangraph's War. And finally, the Manager of the Year for the American League. Uh, I have a couple of candidates. You tell me who's, who would fit best here. Uh, Alex Cora of the Red Sox, Tony La Russa of the White Sox, and Bob Melvin of the A's. I think it has to be Alex Cora. And nobody's going to like, <laughs> it should be Alex Cora, but it won't be Alex Cora. <laughs> now, if Bob Melvin somehow sneaks the A's into the playoffs, I'd be okay giving it to him. And even if the White Sox, like if they run away with the division and with the injuries they faced, you know, we've had Eloy Jimenez have a tribute on the field because apparently he died or something. It's like, yeah, I could maybe put Tony LaRusso up there. 
it should go to Cora. It won't, which means it'll probably go to somebody like Larusa or Melvin if those teams get into the playoffs. Listen, man, it's gonna go to a Sox manager either way, right? <laughs> either red or white. It's gonna go to one of those two, right? Has to. If the season were to end today, I should say. Yeah. But that would be funny if Alex Cora wins it. Oh my god, so many people are gonna be so mad. Scorch the earth. <laughs> Let's do this. All right. And then finally, nationally, we both have Juan Soto. Uh, well, you got to show up to actually play. And right now, Ronald Acuna has shown up to play. And uh, he's at the top of the fan grabs war at 2.3. Uh, any surprise there, Sean? Or No. Uh, he showed some improvements last year in which he was walking more. It did lead to more strikeouts. But there was an approach change, and I don't think many people talked about it. They just talked about, oh, Ronald Acuna is still awesome. More people, I think, were actually worried because the batting average dropped to like 250. But it was he posted the highest on-base percentage of his career. And that was really interesting to me. And the fact that he's improved upon it even more, it makes him just as dangerous, if not more so, than, than Juan Soto. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. has had a couple of injury scares so far, both with the ankle and the hit by pitch on the hand, he's escaped it relatively fine. But uh, Juan Soto still hasn't hit like a crazy hot streak. And if he stays healthy the rest of the way, and he has one or two of those, then uh, I, I, I'm not ready to admit that we were wrong just yet. But uh, <laughs> it's definitely looking in Acuna's favor compared to Soto. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, speaking of uh, being wrong, Luis Castillo, I had as my. <laughs> Cy Young Award. I figured, well, it's now or never for him, and he's going to be a hot commodity. He's going to be uh, a wanted man, and if he stays in the National League, he could win that Cy Young. You kept the vanilla with Jacob Grom, and it looks like even with Jacob Grom missing all these starts and not getting all these wins for the – not getting the run support from the Mets, it looks like Jacob Grom is the number one uh, my, contender for Cy Young. My most favorite stat from this is the fact that he leads the National League. He is slightly behind – uh, Garrett Cole, who I believe is at 2.7 in terms of pitcher war. Um, uh, for fan grabs? No, it's a 2.3. They're actually tied. Uh, oh, I think I thought I just saw him go up to 2.7. Anyway, um, but at, in the National today. League, um, uh, he is has two, two or three starts less than everybody else. And he has at least uh, a 0.6, over half a win lead on everybody in two or three less starts. But I am looking at it now. Garrett Cole is at a 2.7 and eight starts over 52 innings. Well, for fan grabs? Yes. Oh, the hell? What was I seeing? All right. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, Jacob DeGrom, uh, that's... Oh, okay. I guess I, I was rushing it and I put the wrong number there. Sorry about that, uh, folks. So it's 2.7, not 2.3. So I'll fix that right now for the record-keeping purposes here. All right, rookies of the year. Uh, I had Ian Anderson. That seemed to be like a safe choice. Cabrian Hayes, that also seemed to be a, chase, a safe choice. And uh, just like the American League uh, littered with Rangers rookies, this one is littered with Marlins rookies and Jazz Chisholm, who it looks like we're talking about him every single week now, <laughs> even though he's injured. And Trevor Rogers, who not Sixto Sanchez, but Trevor Rogers ends up being uh, the Marlins rookie pitcher that's going to take over the world uh, by storm here. So... Uh, are you surprised to see Trevor Rogers on this uh, potential? No, because Royals? even though his numbers for 2020 weren't that great, he had his two best appearances, I believe, or at least one of them was awesome against the Mets in 2020. And here he was, this kind of bigger lefty. I think he's like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", tall guy. And he's throwing 97 from the left-hand side. You don't see that kind of velocity, that 
consistent. Usually that's a reliever, if anything. Um, and he showed really good poise. I know that's like a, a cop out, but he just seemed really advanced for someone who he had done pretty well in the high minors, but nobody was really expecting him to do what he's doing. But yeah, he was totally slept on. Uh, he's top 10 in war for all pitchers in the National League. So kudos to him. Uh, he could be Jazz Chisholm's going to get all the fanfare, but I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the year, he's Trevor Rogers is the actual more uh, contributing player. And then finally, manager of the year. Craig Council, I had because I thought the Brewers were going to uh, take over that division by the NL Central by storm. You had Luis Rojas. Uh, I'm sorry, who's he uh, managing for nowadays? Luis He's Rojas. the Mets. He's the Mets. Oh, okay. Okay. So a whole bit of a if, in, in, uh, I believe my condition then was if the Mets win the division, Luis Rojas is manager of the year. And I am still sticking by that. Well, yeah, they're winning the division right now. So I guess yeah. I can see where you're coming from there. But I got a two, I got a couple of candidates for you because the Mets, I don't know. I feel like they haven't played enough games. They, Mike, they, they do have the least games in all of baseball. They, they, you know, that's that's a, that takes skill right there. Mike <laughs> Schilt for the Cardinals is one candidate and everybody's favorite manager in the entire world. Everybody loves this guy. Gabe Kapler. People love Gabe Kapler. If the Giants win their division, he would get it over Rojas. I think he would be the runaway candidate if they somehow win that division. Oh no, I didn't mention Rojas. It was Mike Schilt of the Cardinals. It's either one or the other. I'm not. I'm not giving. You don't. You don't think Kapler? If the if the Giants were to win the West, no, which no, is I, I still highly no, unlikely. I, I said two guys. I said Mike Schilt or Gabe Kapler. Who would you go with? And you. Oh you know, yeah, I'd go with Gabe Kapler. Okay. but I, I, it's I it's it, just like Rojas. It's condition on if the Giants win anything. Because if they come in third place, then nobody cares. Well, the other thing is that I was joking about people loving Gabe Kapler. They hate him. I know, they they hate him. But still, if they were to go and keep one of the Dodgers or Padres out of the playoffs, like, people would lose their minds. Oh, yeah. It it would be insanity. And I think he's the go-to if somehow San Francisco keeps it up. Not saying they will. But Mike Schilt, I believe, has already won one manager of the year. Mm, Has he? Right Um, after he came in, the year after he took over for Matheny, I believe. So It sounds right. And They they tend to repeat. I feel like when somebody wins it once, they win it again. Well, yeah, often I'm, I'd have to go look. I don't really care uh, about managing. And it's the also, year. but it could be the uh, the opposite effect where it's like, oh well, that guy already won it, so why should let's go with someone different? And somehow the these uh, individual writers ends up uh, agreeing with each other, and yeah, they they all vote kind of like sheep, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they had one guy who brought it up <laughs> early, earlier today. Maybe he's right. Maybe we should give it to somebody else. Just like to be mon- different. The Baseball Writers Association of America equals Sheep. Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah, it, it's groupthink, right? Like, because that's yeah, that's how, that's what happens. I honestly do think, like, now that you're telling me this, I mean, uh, I'm trying to see if he's actually won it before, but I I, I can't multitask. I'm really bad at this. I, I'm trying to talk to you, and I'm trying to research this. But uh, oh yeah, NL Manager of the Year, 2019. So there you go. Okay, yeah, I felt like he had won one. All right, so maybe it's Gabe Kapler's time then. Maybe they won't repeat. And that's all I had for you guys for today. Um, Any other issues we need to talk about, Sean, before I let you go? None. I need to hit the road. 
Hit the road, Jack. All right, guys. Hey. For, uh, all right. Uh, you guys, uh, we have other podcasts. Uh, we don't have time to uh, disclose them all. We went a little bit over, and Sean needs to get going to his road trip. But I am Felipe. That is Sean over there. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys.